This is Without Compromise, a show that explores what happens when you won't settle for anything less than your crazy ideas. We'll talk to athletes, founders, adventurers, and entrepreneurs of all kinds about living without compromise. I'm your host, Mason Gravely. Welcome to the show. We're programmed for survival, so our instinct is to give up on these situations, to move away from them. I thought if I didn't sign up for that race, that I was just going to disappear. It doesn't have to be these big, huge things that everyone thinks you need to do to make a difference. Hey folks, welcome to the show. It is Pride Month here in June, and as you heard on the last episode, we did have a beer to celebrate Pride Month called Rainbow Wall that was uh, with Alex Johnson, one of our pro athletes, a climber, a legendary climber. And the beer sold out, unfortunately, fortunately, I say fortunately because it supported Athlete Ally, who is breaking down the stigma of homophobia and transphobia in sports. Uh, and I say unfortunately because it sold out, and it's a really good beer. I've got some in my fridge, and it's good. But so are our other beers, and they are still available at athleticbrewing.com. Free shipping on two six-packs or more, as you know. And we've got a lot of options on there right now. And, you know, if you're interested in finding us on store shelves, we do have a store finder at our website. We're adding more of those all the time. So check it every now and then. We might be somewhere really close to you, surprisingly close. But getting into today's episode, we're talking to Alex Showerman, uh, who is our director of nonprofit partnerships here at Athletic Brewing. And, you know, she just has an awesome story. Um, it's incredibly inspiring. It's incredibly uh, just just a wild story. Definitely things in here I didn't know had happened or I didn't know about her. But she is an, an, an amazing mountain biker, an awesome athlete, an awesome person. And it was great to get into her story, especially, you know, celebrating Pride Month right now. Alex, uh, as she's going to tell you, I'm going to let her tell her story, but I will share. She is a proud trans woman. And some of the challenges that she has faced uh, growing up and even currently through that has been uh, just humbling to say the least. So it, it was amazing to talk to her about this. And I'm, I'm proud to get this episode out. So Alex, thanks for joining us. And without further ado, here here's her story. Alex, welcome to the show. Hi, everybody. Hi, Mason. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you on. I always want to ask this first, and I know a little bit about your background as far as like where you grew up, but but tell us what it was like growing up where you did. Uh, you mentioned it was very idyllic. It was outdoors. It was uh, in Vermont in the woods. There was a waterfall nearby. What was it like growing up out there? Yeah. So I grew up in like classic small town Vermont, like covered bridges, waterfalls, pastures, like rolling landscapes, fall foliage, the whole Vermont, everything. You know, it was a great playground. I had a little slow moving river behind my house that I learned to play hockey on a pasture, you know, uh, also behind my house that I learned to snowboard on trails all over the place that I ran and hiked and ski, you know, cross country skied and just it was a it was a wonderful place to grow up, but definitely like small rural town. So, you know, it, sound, it sounds like you were given, you know, some freedoms and uh, the ability to be outside. You, you sounded pretty active, too, like from a sports point of view, just always outside doing things, comfortable being out there, doing, doing kind of some of the things you're doing now, even. Yeah, I mean, I grew up first with Nordic skiing. That was sort of my, my first sport that I did with my dad. You know, I think like starting in kindergarten. Uh, then I learned to skate 
on the river and played uh, hockey all through, you know, I was definitely a winter sports person to start. Um, fell in love with, uh, interestingly, fell in love with both mountain biking and BMX in elementary school and did a ton of that and then kind of fell off and rediscovered mountain biking much later in life. Definitely was doing that in like fifth, sixth grade on like terrible hardtails and then learned to snowboard in like middle high school. Yeah, definitely the the biking and, and the snowboarding and all of that really, you know, that that definitely led into kind of how I live my life as an adult now where I, I mountain bike daily and and you know try and build my life around around being active and, and adventuring and exploring i can't tell you how many mountain bikers i've talked to that had a bmx bike as a kid it's almost like a, a rite of passage at, a, at one point it seems like that just that and skateboarding really took over and a lot of those people are like skiing and snowboarding now i don't know if yeah. it was just like the whole tony hawk era and all those games but it seems like it caught us all for a time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had this like electric blue uh, Haro Dave Mira 540 Air BMX bike. It was it was fun. I actually had it all the way through like my early 20s and turned it into a ski bike that I used. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so, so at that point growing up um, into your sports, did, did you feel like something was different or something was not aligning for you. I know we're kind of jumping into that early, but it's such a huge part of your story. Like when did that, when did you start experiencing that? Maybe I'm a woman. Well, there was never a maybe. Um, it was always a, I am. You, there was never a question. No, I think, you know, the way I would describe it is I think every single trans person that I have talked to we all share the same sort of, I knew from my earliest memory. And then the sort of way society treats us is we're kind of pushed into a box that just doesn't fit us. So, you know, talking about sort of that growing up in that, I, you know, the, that idyllic landscape, you know, when I was real little, I actually had a lot of great, you know, my best friend growing up, um, she's also a girl and, uh, you know, we just were always out in the woods and, you know, you're kind of in this like blissful, like genderless period, you know, before puberty. But then kind of once you hit a certain age and it's even before puberty, it's really once you start going to school where all of a sudden gender is forced on you. And it was definitely at that point was when I started to feel uncomfortable where um, I just was feeling forced to play a role that I wasn't in school and, you know, on the sports teams and things like that, where I just, I just never felt comfortable um, in male spaces because I knew kind of inherently from my earliest memories that, that I'm, I'm a woman. Was that something that you felt was unique to you in the sense of I'm going through this and no one else is, or did you feel it was normal to feel that way? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely really hard um, because there was no representation at all uh, of trans women, you know, or really even much at that time. This was like the 90s, um, much representation of even um, even gay women, you know, lesbians. And that's really, you know, I identify as a, you know, a lesbian who happens to be trans, you know, so there was just no way for me to sort of see myself in the world. So it was really hard to name or identify like who I 
you know, who I am as a person at that age, particularly growing up in a rural community where you just, you know, you, there's not any of that on TV or the radio or, you know, in, in games or anything. So, um, yeah, it was definitely like, that was hard because it was just like, I don't, I know who I am, but I don't know how to articulate it. And I don't see anybody else like me. Were there any early steps you took to explore that or to ask questions or was it literally just pushed down into adulthood? Yeah. I mean, so definitely early on, like I said, there's this like blissful age where kids are kind of genderless. You know, as I had a lot of girlfriends and like I, we'd always play like make believe or, you know, uh, or dress up or things like that. And I always just naturally fell into the, you know, the feminine role, you know, I was always pretending I was the girl in whatever situation it was that we were, we were playing or one of the girls. And, you know, when we play dress up, you know, it always happily like dress up in girls clothes and just, just, you know, was happily expressing that. Um, and then, you know, there was kind of a period in time where, um, I think, like I said, it's kind of once you start going to elementary school, um, where that just became sort of wrong. Um, it was, you know, kind of, you know, all of a sudden it was, well, you're a boy and this is what boys wear and this is how boys act. Um, and, uh, there was one moment where that sort of really was driven home where I was wearing an article of girls clothing and I kind of was like hiding it. I had it under my like boys clothes. And my mom, like my shirt wrote up and my mom saw it and like kind of freaked out. And, you know, it wasn't like in a like mean way. It was more of a like, oh my God, like what's the world going to do to you kind of way. Like a protect, like concerned about how, like how the world would treat me kind of way. Um, and that, that was sort of the moment where I was like, up, oh, up, oh, how I feel is bad. Push it down, be ashamed. Um, and uh, yeah, it really kind of, it, it kind of set me on a path for probably almost two decades of trying to avoid that um, and try to just like fit in and just like focus on getting good grades and focus on like, honestly, getting the heck out of that idyllic little small town and getting into a good college and getting a good job. And, and it kind of just pushed me to just uh, kind of just keep running from it. No, you know, as a parent, I, I totally get that. We know how just awful the world is. <laughs> and yeah. it's not that you don't want them to go through challenges or to grow, but you just know how brutal it can be out there. Yeah. Well, as, and I was just going to say on that, Mason, like, I think, you know, one of the things that I'm really hopeful about for the next generation of, of kids um, that are, are kind of coming through the world is there's still so much work to do to have it be a, you know, a safe, you know, really safe space for LGBTQ youth. But there are so many more resources available and it's so much easier to find community now that we can, you know, uh, like you as a parent, like if you're, if one of your kids were to come, you know, were to come say like, Hey, I actually like, I feel this way there's so much more available to provide that safe space for your kid to explore that at an early stage and just really be who they are. And like, I think that's a really like, it's something that gives me a lot of hope for the world. Um, even though there's still a lot of work to be done. It's something you're seeing firsthand too, that community growing 
resources growing and you being a trailblazer in a lot of ways of, of stepping out and making it known and going down a path that not a lot of people have. It's kind of blew my mind, you know, how, so I, my, my kind of adult life, and, and this is jumping ahead a little bit, but my adult life has been very much in the gravity oriented sports space. Um, you know, the action sports space, um, which is just like such a like bro-y kind of machismo male dominated space. And I was convinced that there was no way in hell I'd be able to exist in this space as a trans woman. But the community that I found, um, largely really from just the broader like community of women that are just doing such an incredible job breaking down barriers in these spaces and creating these communities has really felt like a coming home to me. Um, it really has just been... Um, I've found so many more real friendships and real connections and just so much incredible opportunity that I honestly never thought was even possible, even, you know, two years ago prior to coming out. That you say two years ago, that's what blows my mind about your story is that this is this is the only way I've known you. I've known you as Alex Showerman, the badass athlete who's always out in the mountains who's, you know, working on cool things here at Athletic, but this is so recent for you in the in the scheme of your life, like just the last few years. What happened that 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 changed this trajectory for you? Yeah. So it's it's been, you know, it's it's kind of been been recent, but it's for me it kind of feels like it was like this long slow <laughs> <laughs> like kind of uh, I actually um I actually went to therapy in 2014 or 15, 16, 2014-15-ish area. And I actually went specifically to a gender therapist, like who specializes in kind of, uh, you know, talking about navigating and, and helping to, to kind of come to understand all of this. And that, that was really when I um, like came to fully like name who I am and accept who I am you know it's so I've always known but it was like at that point I was like yeah like I am a woman I am transgender and like I accept this about myself and I know what I need to do which was to transition and come out um, or come out and transition I then was like terrified of doing that as I said I was really nervous about losing my community I was gonna say which part of that terrified you the most was it just relationships mostly? Yeah. You know, like I said, like I really, I, at the time I was living, um, in, uh, you know, Waterbury, Vermont. Um, I was, you know, just starting to break into the, um, like the outdoor sports industry. I just started a career with, or a job with, uh, protect our winters, which is a global nonprofit that organizes the outdoor sports industry to fight climate change. Um, I was just getting involved, like going to like trail building nights and like sitting on the board of, uh, the local trails organization and making all these great friends and, and really kind of starting to just find my community in the outdoors. And I was just, I, I was convinced that, cause I, once again, I never saw anybody who was an out trans woman in this space, even, even in 2015, 16, 17, like I just, I, I knew, knew of nobody who was visible. So I was convinced that there just wasn't a space for me if I came out. 
Um, so I, I just stayed in the closet um, to kind of continue to build, you know, build that career and build that space. And it, it kind of became unsustainable. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely was getting more and more uncomfortable in the world and more and more uncomfortable. You know, it started to just literally feel like I was just putting on a, you know, a mask every time I went out into the world. Um, and that just, it didn't, didn't sit well. I started drinking heavily, um, and started riding my bike for the wrong reasons. You know, it was really like a coping mechanism. It was like, I just feel like if I don't ride my bike, I just feel really depressed. Um, so I kind of just started, you know, running <laughs> even, even un like unhealthily running from it. And then that kind of culminated in breaking my neck. Um, I got up, you know, one of those, er like an early morning, just was like, well, I um, feel like crap, so I need to go ride my bike. And went and rode my bike, wasn't feeling it, like walked features that I knew I could ride and was like at the top of a trail I'd ridden like a hundred times and just like took an awkward fall headfirst into a tree and broke my neck in five places. Uh, and that was, that was the life-changing moment that finally changed the trajectory and, and made me made me sit with it. Literally, I couldn't move. I, well, I could still walk and move. I, I did not have nerve damage, but like I had to stay, you know, immobilized for two months. So I had to sit with everything. Um, and, uh, that was really the moment where I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> time, time to change course here. I read that also ironically breaking your neck was like one of your biggest fears too. And it, oh, and yeah. it came true. Yeah. So, um, you know, that idyllic childhood of like running around and doing all that stuff. Uh, my mom was always like, you're going to break your neck. Like be careful. <laughs> Such a mom thing to say. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, then also it was kind of reemphasized cause this was at the time, Travis Roy, who was like this phenom high school hockey player, um, like heavily like recruited to BU, like was going to be like one of the next stars in the NHL, uh, like first period out fell head first into the boards and broke his neck and, um, was paralyzed. And so in hockey, you know, I had my mom kind of like half joking, sort of nervously saying, you're going to break your neck. But then in, in, the, you know, in hockey, you like, it, it was a big campaign at this time around education of, uh, you know, don't check from behind. All the hockey teams would put literally put stop signs on, uh, so stop signs on the back of their jerseys to remind you not to like check from behind. Like if you did check somebody from behind, you'd literally like, you'd go sit in the penalty box for like 10 minutes, you know, and the games were only 36 minutes. So you'd basically just be sitting in the penalty box for a period. And uh, yeah, so it was definitely like this, like very reinforced thing, like breaking your neck is literally like the worst thing that could ever happen. And then I went and did it. What did that teach you? You know, in the sense of like your worst fear came true. It was awful. And you were in the yeah. hospital and, and why did that change? You know, why was that the thing that, that set you off? And what were some of those first steps that you started taking after that? Yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing was, is like I said, I had, I spent two months sitting in a chair basically. Um, so I really had to sit with myself and it was actually wild timing. Cause I, I just gotten back from a month long road trip out West 
So I had had kind of, I went from literally like in a span of a week or like two weeks. Cause I got back like right around the 4th of July. And then this happened on the 19th of July. Um, I was like month long trip out West, just kind of like no real itinerary. I had a couple things I needed to do for work, but like really was kind of like able to go where I wanted was like camping on BLM land. Like, you know, it was really kind of had the epitome of freedom for like a month and then came home and then literally couldn't leave the house for two months. I couldn't drive. Like I literally couldn't drive, like walking to the end of my driveway was incredibly painful um getting up to go to the bathroom was like like I, there was a few couple weeks where i needed help uh from my at the time partner and like honestly like i i couldn't have gotten through this without without her assistance you know uh so yeah i, I just had to sit with myself and then once i got clearance for to start moving again you know, it was a lot of hard work. It was almost like a part-time job, um, just with PT, uh, pain management, um, you know, yoga, all of that, just to kind of rebuild strength and mobility and, and kind of get back. I was really motivated to get back, not only to where I was, but come back stronger. And I just, through all of that, learned a lot about myself and perseverance and um, taking care of my body you know, I think through that, it was just sort of a like, well, you know, I'm not going to ever be a like healthy, full functioning adult if I continue to avoid my identity. And and it almost sort of became a part of the recovery process, I would say. Like it was literally like I, I kind of viewed the like physical recovery from the broken neck ending in March of, of <laughs> 2020. Um, I was on a trip out to Jackson Hole for work. And I spent five days in a row on snow. And it was like the first time I'd finally felt like not a lot of pain and was able to like, just enjoy being in the outdoors again. And uh, it was also March of 2020 was when I also I started hormone therapy. Um, so it was almost like I sort of like, finished the recovery of breaking my neck, but then started the process of healing and recovery of for myself and my identity and my soul and, and who I am. At the, at the front door of the pandemic too. On top of that. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was real fun. You know, you decide but, that's just, it just shows you life is not a movie. You know, life is not a movie script in a lot of ways. It's not a book. It's, I decide I'm going to do this, you know, you know, it's, 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 you decide you're going to do this. It's this amazing experience to come out and, um, it's scary, but you, you, it's the resolution, but you, you hit right at the beginning of the pandemic, but this is a whole other challenge from a career point of view, from a job point of view. And it just kept coming at you. Oh my God. Yeah. It was literally like, I was like, all right, cool. I'm doing this. And it was like the most scary timing because <laughs> I was, you know, like I was still in the closet. But, you know, starting, starting hormone therapy was definitely a like, all right, you know, like, I'm doing this, so I, I'm going to have to come out, you know. <laughs> um, and it was part, it was almost intentional where I was just like, I'm going to keep avoiding coming out if I don't have sort of a like motivator. So I was like, I'm going to do this hormone therapy. I know it will make me feel a lot better and make me connect with my body. So I'm going to do it. And then also like, it sort of is a like, Alex, come on, let, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's come out finally. So 
that was sort of the decision was like, I was like, I'm taking ownership of my body, my health, my mental state, and my identity by doing this. But with that, I knew a whole lot of question marks were in the air. I was like, what does this mean for my job? What does this mean for my community? You know, what does this mean for my relationship, my housing, all of that? Um, So then the pandemic hit. And then the first of the things I was afraid of came to fruition where, uh, and not because I was trans, but because of the pandemic, I was laid off from my job. Um, and the irony is, is that it ultimately led me here to athletic, which I'm really stoked about. But at the time I was so terrified. I was like, oh my God, how am I going to find work as a trans woman? And yeah, it was wild time. Yeah, to to say the absolute least, it was wild timing in, in a wild. I I mean, it's just you know, it all makes sense looking back, like you can connect the dots. But being in March 2020, looking ahead with the decision you've made and what you're beginning to do, and what's happening in the world, I mean, it's just nothing but storm clouds ahead. <laughs> yeah. What when you when you did decide to come out and you did make the announcement, what what was the reaction? What 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 fears of yours were either uh, confirmed or shown to, to not actually be there? You know, so it's, it's, it's really fascinating. And, and, and coming out is like one of the most complex things. There's like immense joy. And, and I think that's like the initial thing, right? Like, I think now we're at a place where like people celebrate it, right? Like people are like, hell yeah, go you. And it was actually really fun because some of my good, I kind of came out in stages where I like came out to some close friends and then kind of came out in my local community. Uh, And then I actually like came, went off of social media for a while to just kind of like settle into myself and kind of settle into the world for a little bit locally. But it was kind of fun because we actually made this really, me and some of my girlfriends made this like really fun mountain bike video uh, at Bolton Valley, which is a, one of my favorite places to ride in Vermont, and I actually used that for my like public coming out. Um, so it was really cool because I definitely got to like come out on my own terms and in a way that was like very authentic to who I am. Like I'm, I am a mountain biker and I love to be outside. So like it felt really important to me to like share like I'm coming out as trans and I am a woman, but like this is who I am. So that was really exciting and it was really well received. But then there also was a lot of, you know, I I kind of would describe coming out as like dropping a hand grenade in your life and then sort of putting it back together with like the pieces, like putting it back together with all of the different pieces that you still like kind of love, I guess. So like there was definitely a lot of loss. Um, you know, there was friends that definitely like felt really uncomfortable with after coming out. Um, you know, there were spaces that I definitely kind of started to feel really not as welcome in, um, like, uh, actually snowboarding. I kind of fell out of love with snowboarding this year. It just was a, a really kind of, there was nothing bad, but it was just very awkward to exist in that space. Um, you know, so it's sort of, there was definitely like after the initial joy, it was definitely kind of a low period of like kind of coming to grips with the things that I was losing. And then kind of with that, then kind of came the, the Phoenix rising from the ashes moment a little bit of, 
you know, finding the people who really speak to me on the deepest level and like, just, I absolutely love to adventure with and be around and finding that community. Um, you know, one of those spaces is mountain biking and the women in it. Um, I have been just so amazed by the level of support that I've gotten from women in mountain biking. You know, it's really felt like a coming home almost of like, oh my God, I finally found my community. I finally found my space. And then, you know, another story that I, I do want to share is actually, interestingly, athletic really is, has also been one of those, those things that I found that has been a big surprise to me. Um, I, uh, you know, was struggling with alcohol and decided to, to step away from it, but lived in a town where it was like very much part of the social scene. So I was really happy as just in life to kind of find it so I could still have that like post-ride beer, but not do alcohol. And then I saw the two for the trails uh, thing on the packaging. And, and I've been, a, you know, another thing I do is a trail advocacy. I do a lot of trail building and, um, and used to be on boards of trail organizations and everything. So I actually reached out to Rosalie and was like, Hey, I'd love to be involved. Rosalie, our marketing director. And then fascinatingly, it was actually in the call with Rosalie and Bill um, last summer to talk about uh, doing some consulting work with you all. I actually came out to them and uh, they were pretty early on in the list of people that I came out to, which was really wild. So uh, athletic wound up being one of those spaces that I found where I was welcomed as my authentic self. And it's been such a joy and pleasure to be here um, and be a part of it. You know, I, I that's so cool to hear because you know, I don't know what their reaction was, but I tell people all the time, they probably get tired of me saying it, honestly, is, hey, we sell a non-alcoholic beer all day. What what's, might sound crazy to you or pretty, you know, revolutionary to us, it's like, oh, yeah, that, that we can do that. <laughs> that makes sense. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like we spend all day doing something that so many people think is impossible or think is, why would you do that? And yeah. when we hear these ideas from people or hear these things that they want to share, not that yours is anywhere close to that level, like it, it is, you know, obviously an, an enormous deal, but it's like, yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. That's what you need to do. That's what you feel you should do. That, let's support it somehow. Yeah. So that's, that's really cool to hear that athletic was a part of that. I know it's funny. Like I almost feel bad. Like, cause it's like, you know, it's like, I, I, I don't want to like make this this to like feel like I'm trying to like shamelessly plug athletic, but like it was a really meaningful moment to me um, where I just like, I, I was really scared to share that with prospective employers and, you know, it, it losing my job right at that time where I was in the process of coming out was really like awkward because I was like having to start looking for work presenting one way, but then knowing I was going to be presenting a different way very soon was really like uncomfortable for me. And I, it was definitely a point of anxiety I had where, cause I actually reached out to Bill and Rosalie before I was like, I, before I was fully out. So I was like, definitely like really nervous for that conversation. And it kind of just organically happened. And, uh, you know, it finding this space and having that support was actually a really like really has been a huge part of uh, me finding confidence and a voice in the world has was that moment of like, oh, heck yeah, cool. We're excited for you. Like, you know, 
and and it's been really fascinating because I I definitely prior prior to like breaking my neck I felt I felt stuck I I just was sort of existing you know I think with coming out I have found so much more confidence in myself and so much more of a like purpose in life you know I think like that's that's sort of where these doors have opened where you know I'm, I'm I felt like I was kind of living life with like one or even both hands tied behind my back before and now it's like I'm really able to just like fully be me and fully express you know my ideas and you know also really be mission driven you know first and foremost like I I want to break down barriers for underrepresented people. I do not want anybody to have to feel the way that I felt and feel like there's no place for them because that's such a horrible, isolating feeling. And like, that's what gets me out of bed every morning. And like being able to work on that here, being able to work on that as an athlete, you know, all of that just is like, it's so meaningful to me. And and, and, and I've been so humbled and honored to have very, all the different opportunities kind of start to open up where I can hopefully make it a little, e- little bit easier for somebody else who uh, is struggling in the closet or somebody else who doesn't feel like, you know, they love the activity or, or want to be a part of a community, but don't feel like it's theirs. My, my hope is I can just make it a little bit easier for them. And that that's really what gets me up every morning. It's an awesome reason to get up and an awesome reason to keep going down this path uh, and to keep in a lot of ways blazing this trail. D- do you ever think about what how it would be different for you if you hadn't had broke your neck? Like what would have been the catalyst or where would you be? Uh, I wonder if I'd be here. Hmm. Um, I definitely like, I know, you know, January, February, and even the March, April part of 2020, even though that was after breaking my neck, but it was before before I'd really started to take action on any of this, I was definitely in such a dark, horrible place. <laughs> you know, I was I was getting like blackout drunk most nights, especially after I lost my job. I just didn't feel like I had any purpose. So I was just getting like blackout drunk. And um I definitely was having suicidal thoughts and I think breaking my neck gave me the tools and the courage to finally do what I needed to do, um, with coming out and then coming out gave me the space to finally be me. So, yeah, I, I think that there's a, it brings tears to my eyes actually. And that's why I was like, I had that long pause when you asked, cause I was kind of fighting that tears. I, I think that I think there is a, a possibility that I wouldn't be here. You know, an important stat for people to know is that the attempted suicide rate for trans people is 40%. 40% of trans people have attempted suicide. And the way we as a society are treating that problem is with these bills is just totally gut-wrenching to me. 
like we we need to be working to welcome and appreciate and celebrate and love people who are trans. We know that when kids are given space to be themselves, the likelihood of them attempting suicide plummets when parents are supportive, when coaches are supportive, when friends are supportive. And I think my story is a testament to that, where I, I was at the lowest point and probably would have become a number in that statistic. And here I am now on the other side, so happy, so healthy, and just like really living life to the fullest. And it's like, that's what we need to be working to do. We need to be working to, to make it so that trans people feel safe and welcome in this world. And all LGBTQ folks. As an athlete, like the women's mountain bike community has become my home. And I've also gotten so much better as an athlete because of the support that I've been getting from my fellow female athletes. And I've been encouraged to race by women who have stood on the podium um, who, and, and are also friends of mine. For me, I'm deeply passionate about equality for women's sports. And I care deeply <laughs> about fairness in women's sports. And when I ultimately do race, like I'm going to be racing against like my friends or with my friends. You know, we, it's really fascinating the like very like collab, even though it's competitive, the very like supportive and collaborative atmosphere that really exists um, because we're all working together to address the real problem, which is the fact that women's sports are consistently undervalued, consistently overlooked, and consistently under-resourced. So like we all as women are here in the, you know, cis, trans, you know, cis or trans are sitting here fighting the, the, the fight of like, hey, like, you know, it actually support us, actually make gear that's good for us, like actually like invest marketing dollars in speaking to us, like actually pay our professional athletes equal money like that's the fight that we as like female athletes are are in and it has nothing to do with with trans participation um and you know i think like what we know from seeing like for example the u.s women's national team in soccer when the like mar sports marketing hype machine actually gets behind women's sports people tune in and get excited about it and like, I remember seeing like, you know, boys uh, out watching the World Cup wearing like, you know, soccer jerseys with like women's names on the back. Like, it was so cool to see that. So it's like, that's the fight for equality for women in sports is actually market our sports, actually celebrate our athletes and actually pay our athletes. And like, that's the fight that we're in. It has nothing to do with whether or not trans women are competing because we are women too. And we are here fighting shoulder to shoulder with our fellow cis women. A lot of work to be done, Alex. <laughs> no. <laughs> a lot of work to be done. My goodness. Um, you got me fired up there. Yeah, no I would be okay with that last bit being in there. I don't All know right. how you want to go way to it, but. No, I, I, I think you make a lot of good points and you know, I, I just, I just see, I just see so much of, 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 the other side and, and know that it just comes from a basic level of, of misunderstanding or just 
not not knowing that that one anecdotal situation that's the that's what you're fighting against those very specific oh yeah you know off the wall situations that are that are going to happen one in a, a million if you don't mind i'd love to ask you some rapid fire and then we can wrap it up yeah let's do it okay cool what would you say you're most curious about right now outside of outside of biking outside of even adventure sports and outside of um your career uh food i i'm definitely a foodie i like i pretty much explore the food the world by food so like whenever i go to a new city the first thing i do is look for what are like the cool new interesting restaurants or what's like the style of food that defines the city that I have to have while I'm here. Whenever I'm driving cross country, I've literally gone out of my way. I've added hours of driving to go hit like a city and try some some kind of food or something. So I will, I'll do that for food and good trails. Well, let me ask you this. Let's, let's move on to the next one. What is, what is the proud, your, your proudest achievement outside of, outside of your career? and uh, outside of sport? I don't know if this is an achievement, but I think it's something that just pops into my mind is, uh, and this is this is gonna be so corny. I don't know if I wanna answer it, but. <laughs> well, you got to now. But being a dog mom to my wonderful German Shepherd, Gus, who's a rescue. I think that's a great answer. Yeah, he's, I'm, I'm his, uh, I think fourth home. And uh, he's just like the most like loving, sweet, compassionate, but super high energy dog. Um, so it's like perfect for me because I just take him on all the adventures and get him tired. So then when he's at home, he just sleeps. But he's so much fun and he goes everywhere with me. So I would say, you know, he's especially like for me, because he's a rescue too. like knowing that it like knowing that I'm kind of giving him a home makes me feel really proud. 100%. We've got a couple rescues ourselves and what is what is your biggest goal not yet achieved? So, I think I would say my goal is to create a world where coming out is not an act of bravery, but just a thing you do. That's that's a big goal. Yep. That'll be a lifelong goal. <laughs> yep. All right, wrap this all up. I appreciate your time and going over, but to wrap this all up, what does it mean to you to live without compromise? Uh, being unapologetically yourself. I have found that there is so much incredible power in doing that and happiness and joy and success. And, uh, you know, I think, I hope everybody has a chance to, um, to live their lives without, without compromise and really just fully embrace who they are. What it has nothing to do with your identity of if you're, you know, LGBTQ or not, just really fully embracing who you are, I think is when, when you find your own superpower and are able to do incredible things. If you'd like to find out more about Alex and what she does, you can obviously follow her on Instagram. Her handle's in the show notes, as well as things like Two for the Trails and our values initiatives, all of which Alex you know, manages because she's the director of our nonprofit partnerships. And also, if you want to find out more about our beer at Athletic Brewing, just go to our website, free shipping on two six-packs or more just about anywhere in the country. And until next time, keep living without compromise. 